0: Welcome to episode 42 of the Fight for Together podcast
1: Yes, welcome, (laughs) everyone You you
0: have no idea what we're going to talk about today
1: I just took a quick glance at your notes You did? But I really don't know
0: Are you excited? Sure You're listening to the Fight for Together podcast Okay, today I'm really excited about this topic. You know, this podcast, just to give you a little bit of behind the scenes, we don't spend as much time preparing as I'd like. In my mind, we're going to have this, like, concise thing um, that really conserves your time and is this exhibition of communication and simplicity and convincingness
1: maybe someday we'll get there
0: it's possible but if you guys have heard our we have an ad uh, that we do for the anchor app now that we make money off of i think by the way we're up to like 12 or 13 bucks um and the it's it's a it's a true ad that i recorded um about this app because the, the thing that pushed us over the edge into thinking that we could record our own podcast was actually listening to Casey Neistat's podcast, which was really interesting at first because I liked Casey Neistat. And then it really became not that interesting to me. Oh, crap. Hang on. Pause. Bring that over here. All
1: right. Ben needs to light a cigar real quick. We're trying to use one match. I'm trying to conserve here, folks. Mm. I think you got it.
0: Thank you. Thank you. But anyways, what I enjoyed about their podcast and what gave me a lot of hope was that they just turned on the microphone and went for it. And they just talked conversationally. Mm -hmm. So anyways.
1: And it lasted, I don't even know, but not very long. (laughs) Okay,
0: I don't think they're done anymore. But that type of production level made me finally think, oh, we can handle that.
1: Yeah. Part of your cigar is not lit, but maybe if you puff on it hard enough yeah you're doing,
0: it. Okay. you're doing it okay so to start off with um we got some comments from last week um and here is you want to read these yeah. let me make the window bigger go for it okay
1: practically prolific writes. given all this insight I'd really love to know how therapists might choose to educate their children and the whys behind that. I wonder if it's common for therapists to apply some of their insights around human nature and self-ownership to the way they choose to operate around education. Is that it?
0: That's it. Do you want more?
1: Oh. No.
0: Well, I think she's saying that I wonder if therapists, because last week's episode, or I guess by the time they hear this, it'll be two weeks ago, was about what we've been learning from therapy as a mindset and i'll bet kit uh ther- i'll bet therapists it impacts all of their relationships especially their relationships with their kids
1: i i guess i'm trying to understand this comment like what about what's the education the thera- the thera- education the therapist gets or
0: i think they're talking about the education of the child
1: Oh, okay. To the way they choose... Okay. Huh. That's my guess. Well, I think in order to be a good therapist, you have to do your own work on yourself. Um, so it probably just depends on how much work you've actually done on yourself, because, yeah, that's my what I think.
0: All right, next comment.
1: This is from Kelsey.
0: Who I think is the one that left the...
1: The several, phone call. Yeah, okay. I also want to add that another way it's weird is that you know virtually nothing about me, but I know so much about you. And calling in, knowing that my voice will be on your podcast, makes me anxious. I've listened to your podcast since the beginning and started following your vlog when you were a couple months into your AT hike. So it feels good to finally rip off the band-aid, so to speak. Yeah. I get that, because I, I wouldn't want to, like, I, I, yeah, I wouldn't want. I have a hard time commenting on anyone. I think is like, I don't know, bigger. Not that we're bigger, but like.
0: Well, for to compared to, it's all relative.
1: It's all relative. Compared to some
0: people, we're huge, and Uh, then we don't feel very big because we compare ourselves to other people.
1: Yeah, and you feel this sense of like, well, I'm a nobody, so why does it matter? You know, but you're not a nobody or at least you shouldn't be
0: everyone's a somebody okay final
1: this is from amanda i've listened to all your podcasts beginning to end since you first started i prefer your previous format where you would do your main topic first and then follow up with the news and comments with the original format i felt like i could get connected to your theme of the week better Kind of like I got a personal dose of fight for together and then we shared the rest of the conversation with other listeners through comments and the broader world through news. I have learned so much about loving, listening, and the value of togetherness from you both. Thank you.
0: Yeah, thanks. Uh, And then Faith said the opposite. She was like, oh, I like the last two episodes. So I don't know what to think, actually. So keep on chiming in with this because the jury is still out, but... but I actually listened to this comment and then I based the format off of it. We're going back to a main topic. Mm -hmm. But then there's this comment. We got a letter in the mail in the form of a book. So this book arrived, which has a giant BTW on it. And this has been sitting upstairs for a couple weeks. So I totally forgot about it. Um, And it has this little note in it. Where'd the note go? The note is also my bookmark. Hey guys, I'm sending you a copy of my new book as a way to say thanks for your podcasts and vlogs. You have shared so much with me that I wanted to share with you. I am sharing this with you not to try and fix you. I'm sure you'll find plenty of things you disagree with, but I also think you'll find some things you like. Maybe check out chapters five. Appreciate you guys and your family for your courage and your vulnerability. You are loved beyond words by the creator of all things and are pretty okay in my book. Um, And he wants to know what we think about the book. And this is a guy named Derek Vreeland who's a pastor somewhere. He told me where, but I think it's like Missouri, is that right? Um, and most importantly, look what is in here. 20 buckaroos for, our for the chair, chair fund, fund which actually came in 2 weeks ago, so um, I want to retroactively put that in the jar um, here I I put it on the jar for the video, but I need to put it on the audio so you guys can all... Alright, that's the money <laughs> going in the jar. We need, you like uh, yeah. we need like a money button. Oh yeah. I suppose we could get find that. that. And this book, it's a little bit trippy to read. Um, But I kind of feel like I owe the guy a little bit because he... He listens to our stuff and although I've, we've never met, he's he's left quite a few positive comments and I'm always impressed that a pastor could um like hang <laughs> no offense, yeah. pastors. Uh but the subtitle so the title is called By the Way and the subtitle is, is called Getting Serious About Following Jesus. And I'm I'm gonna try and get through as much of this as I can, Derek, but what else tell you about the first chapter? Um That I have read um, is there's a lot of emphasis on following Jesus, obviously, by the title. And it's a message that very, very strongly resonated with me for um, what, 25 years of my life. Um, A high emphasis on lordship, um, submitting to Jesus as lord, and following him which kind of i think to most people means obedience and then almost mimicking his lifestyle and ways and like i said i I was way into that message and i don't want to say i'm against that message now um and i don't oppose it but i will say this that the emphasis for my life in the last year or two has shifted um, and the way that I primarily uh, interact with who I know Jesus to be is actually inspired by an author named Cynthia Borigold. Is That's how you pronounce her name. Thanks. And she kind of wrote about uh, Jesus and his primary example being in how he sees the world, not in what he did. So the way he sees people and sees the world and possibly even sees himself is the biggest differentiator between one who um, wants to i guess follow his teachings i'm not sure exactly how you would say it but what the thing he truly brought to this world that was really different wasn't a new code to follow or even a new person to follow although he did do that with 12 disciples but it was actually he brought a new way to see people. So for the last couple of years, I've been really fascinated in that. Um, so anyways, that, that's why I'm, I'm going to make a stab at this book, but it's, it's just not really um, the question we're asking right now. Um, but I really appreciate you sending the card, the book, and the chair fund money and yeah. all the comments you've left in the past.
1: Yeah, definitely. That's very cool.
0: All right, let's get into today's topic. Um, this is a really kind of a complex doozy, but I have the utmost of confidence that you guys will be able to hang. Um, and I mean that. Actually, before we get into this topic, we need to have an ad break. Let's do it. Okay, I just need to write down where that was so we can put it in. Um, <clears throat> welcome back. <laughs> the E2 people never left, but...
1: Yeah, they're just... They're still staring at us.
0: <laughs> okay, so... This is a long, convoluted story. You're going to have to hang with me a little bit. We're reading this book called The Divine Magician by Peter <clears throat> Rollins, who's... I think he's a Christian... I think he would identifies a Christian theologian in Ireland. And he tells this story... Or this, um, he kind of quotes this reinterpretation of the prodigal son story. And it's kind of weird to me that he does it because I don't really think it needs to be the prodigal son story. And I don't think he's even saying that's what the story is saying. But it got me thinking. So because of that, we're going to start with it. And for those of you that are not familiar with the prodigal son story... The prodigal son story goes something like this. First of all, it's in the Bible. Yes. But I don't think you need to be familiar with the Bible or care about the Bible to join in in today's conversation at all, which is really our hope with any of our conversations. Yeah. Do you want to summarize the prodigal son story while I smoke?
1: I'll try. Um, So there's two sons and a dad. And one of the sons, the younger one decides that he wants the his inheritance so like all of his money from his dad and so he gets that and he leaves the family home and he goes and he uh uses up eventually uses up all of his wealth um and finds himself
0: in how does he use the wealth by investing wisely
1: well i don't even want to i don't it's like he, I don't know, he, like, has fun. He, like, drinks and has sex and parties with people, oh, I dang, think. now
0: you're adding details. I like that.
1: I mean, I'm, yeah, okay. I don't know what, I'm, I don't know exactly what the text says, but this is the gist, right? So, then he finds himself in destitute, where he actually has n- no more money even to eat. Or to have any kind of shelter. So finally, he goes to a farmer who has pigs. And he asks the farmer, well, I guess he has, no, he doesn't have the epiphany yet. Okay. So he asks the farmer, hey, can I work for you? Because I'm like starving here. So the farmer's like, sure, but still he, but he must not have a lot because he's looking at the corn cobs that he's giving to the pigs and he wants to steal them from the pigs and eat them himself.
0: <laughs> All right, let's bring it home in and the next then, seconds, So here. then he
1: has this epiphany of like, well, I should go home and ask my dad if I can be a hired hand because the, ser- or the hired hands or servants or whoever they were, were actually are eating way better than I am now. So that's what I'm going to do. So then he goes home, and he tells his dad, hey, I, I want the you to hire me. The dad runs out to meet him. The dad runs out to meet him. He says, hey, I want you to hire me. The dad doesn't listen to him and says, no, no, you're my son. You were lost. Now you're found. You were you were dead. Now you're alive. And then gives him his signature ring and robe, and then the, the older son's pissed.
0: And throws this big-ass party and all these things. Mm-hmm. So this was always kind of told... the moral of the story was god's love beats both um, the kind of like rebellion of the younger son and then in later interpretations you find out the older son is kind of being an asshole too and the father's love was still super big okay but this—I'm going to read these, like, three or four paragraphs from this book, and then we'll just see where it goes. The father has an excess of wealth to spare for a son, unlike those suffering outside the gates of the estate. Despite the famine beyond the walls, a fattened calf is quickly slaughtered so the family might celebrate in style. Told from this perspective, the story charts a failure. The failure is neither in the son leaving his father's estate nor in his attempting to go back under different conditions— but rather in accepting his father's offer to be reintegrated back into the safe enclosure of the wealthy estate. In this way, so this this author is quoting another author, but this author writes about how the story ends as it began, with a wealthy system walled off to the suffering around it, surrounding it. The son left with the real possibility of breaking free from his past, of experiencing new ideas and of returning home with a transformative message, one that would fundamentally challenge and change his family, but the act was ultimately impotent. It failed. From the perspective of storytelling, this is a classic tragedy in that nothing changes. The end of the story is the same as the beginning, and everything is the way it used to be. Um, so then... He says, this story can be seen to mimic how old orders are threatened by subversive ideas and seek to seduce, coerce, or even threaten in order to expunge or domesticate the threat. For instance, it's not unusual for parents to fear the strange and unsettling ideas that their children might pick up at university, even attempting to send them to educational establishments that promise nothing but the replication of old values. Okay, so <clears throat> summarize that. Um, what this guy is saying is that one fascinating thing about the story, and like I said, I, I don't even want to get into, like, is this the point of what the Bible is saying? I don't want to have that debate. I just want to say, like, this is a fascinating observation about the story. That in a sense, the son goes off, experiences freedom from this kind of, like, system that the father created, um, which was wealthy and nice, but you know, kids want to experience their own decisions at some point, and maybe they should, or at least be able to. And then he went off, and then he came back with a kind of plan, but it wasn't to reintegrate and be the son again in the same way. And we had always heard that that was kind of a negative thing. Like, oh, he, like, wasn't, because he didn't think he'd be accepted. But this author is putting the the positive spin on the idea by saying, maybe that wasn't a bad thing, that the son wanted to come back, and he says, you know, I'm going to work for you instead. Like, kind of bring some of these new values home. And the father shuts it down really quick. And I had always heard that as a positive thing. Like, the dad shuts it down, but he overwhelms him with his party and love.
1: It's interesting that, yeah, the son what if he actually was starting to identify with the servants and saw himself as not as not better than they were and wanted to experience that. And then the dad right away is like, nope, you're not going to, no son of mine will be in destitute as long as I'm in control of it or something.
0: So, this is that's all just kind of an intro for these thoughts here um because those of you guys who have been following our vlog know that we well first of all we have three teenagers second of all as of 2016 we have no house
1: 2019 (laughs) as of 2016
0: whatever it is (laughs) whatever this year is 2019 (laughs) we have no house rules so our kids are like going out and experimenting with stuff. Um They're staying out late, they're eating ice cream whenever they want, they're going to Bible studies for goodness sakes. Um and um and people well, I don't even want to get into that. Um <laughs> <laughs> but so as a parent, there's this kind of like difficult rub with them going off and hanging out with their friends, listening to their music, creating their culture, and then coming back in our house. So I just want to read what I wrote. Um, some thoughts I had this week that I think were inspired by this book. And these are a couple of paragraphs. The first sentence is, I want to create a world at home that is big enough for our kids to bring back the lessons they learn in the outside world. And the paragraph says this, Too often the lessons our kids learn don't fit at home. They are forced to go outside of the home to be themselves, to fit in, to feel valued, and to engage all their faculties. Returning home becomes an exercise in mask wearing and playing a part of, stat- of a static environment. What a shame when an opportunity for an environment to develop and evolve instead gets turned into an opportunity to fortify and exclude. So, you know, I've experienced this on both sides. One as a kid myself.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And one is as a parent now.
1: Yeah.
0: So what this feels like as a kid to me is... As our beliefs started to evolve, I feel like there is this viewpoint of parenting from a lot of the environment we were raised in that was like, and and I don't think this is just religious, but I think it thrives in the religious world, which is like, we're the parents. We don't, we have the right to not change. Uh, You change as the kid.
1: And we have, because we're the parents, we have the most best ideas and beliefs
0: and it's like respect and honor us and of course there's like 10 commandments waved people and stuff like that now there's a couple problems i have with this two main ones one is the kids can every parent i guess has the right to create those rules if they want to for their house So the kids are going to come home, and they're going to play by the parents' rules. They're not going to listen to their rap music around their parents, by the way. They'll probably still listen to it. They're not going to say certain words around the parents. And they're not going to be honest about their true beliefs and what they're thinking and experimenting with around their parents. And this is evidenced in when we did, like, a sex ed series, like, I don't know, 30 episodes ago, you know, there was this idea like, okay, you're going to have premarital sex, fine, don't do it in my house. There's kind of this idea like, okay, fine, live your life, but don't bring that into under my roof. Mm-hmm. So then you have the kids who are being their real selves, but the only way they can be their real selves is when they're outside in the world and away from us as parents.
1: So it's going to, it kind of sucks to not be your real self. So... For a lot of kids, it means they're going to spend less and less time at home with their parents. Because, well, yeah, and it's, yeah.
0: it's it's why I don't hang out with your parents. Yeah. Because I got the message pretty early on that my way of seeing the world was not valued. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't have anything against them, but I'm not going to spend a whole lot of energy on that relationship with you know who i am isn't being valued as a person and i think that's a tragedy Mm -hmm. but i've also gotten used to the idea and it's like well they have the right to see the world the way they see it and it doesn't have to include me um
1: yeah
0: hang on i need to start the camera over um okay so the first tragedy, just to review is that our kids then are not gonna be themselves at home. They're gonna put on these masks and they're gonna say what they think we want to hear them say. And it means we'll never get the the truest access to who they really are. And this channel is called Fight for Together and it's called that for a reason. I, I think that um in a way it um very highly values this whole like honor, respect. Um, hierarchy thing but it compromises the relationship like those type of people are not your friends uh well i mean i guess we all have different levels of masks we wear but as a whole if we can't accept our kids deepest beliefs and their deepest values and appreciations our relationship is going to be that limited okay so that's the first problem the second problem i have is this What if our kids going off and exploring these things in the world and bringing them back home is actually the ultimate opportunity as parents that we have to evolve and mature our belief system and way of seeing the world? So I'm going to give you an example. Two examples, actually. One is marijuana um 30 years ago marijuana universally in america was frowned upon and seen as just like a deadbeat drug unless you're in the hippie community like publicly in the media with like even the president addressing drugs with dare education with especially religious communities, anyone that did marijuana, and in the communities we were in, the religious communities, if a kid did marijuana, it was automatically seen as they're throwing their life away, they're being rebellious. It wasn't like an acceptable thing at all. You know, I mean, it's like, it was like, seen as like as bad as heroin or cocaine or anything else. <laughs> now, I, I just read in some news article, which we'll get to, I think 33 states have legalized it. Wow. Yeah. So, if you rewind 30 years, to, and And you're a parent and your child is off smoking pot and you find out about it and they come home and you are like, kid, that is not okay. That's wrong. Don't do that. Stay away. I don't want to think about it. Don't want to hear about it. No questions asked. It's just bad. Most kids, they still smoke pot, right? I mean, that's the typical movie. They just snuck around or did it with their friends at school. Um, So you have two tragedies there. One is—and let's forget about the legality for a second. Let's just talk about the morality. One is the kid was sneaking around from their parents, and this thing that's valuable to them they can't share and they can't even talk about, and they they find that it's not acceptable.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And I think we talked about this in the Black Sheep episode where we know someone who actually committed suicide because, in my opinion— so many, so much of who they were was not accepted by the spiritual community Mm -hmm. that what they were into was, like, not in style at that time. Right. And they smoked pot. Mm
1: -hmm. That was one
0: of the things. Um, But the second thing was the parents, now no one's dying on that hill anymore. I mean, I'm sure people are. There's still people in the Bible Belt and whatever. People are going to fight the whole marijuana thing. That's great. Fight it if you want, but it's a losing battle at this point, culturally speaking. People are like, okay, it's not that big of a deal. Why do we make such a big deal about that? Mm-hmm. Like, smoking a joint is not the end of the world. Um, you can be a civic servant, a police officer. Well, I don't know what the drug sc- screen tests are, but the stigma is gone. You can even like go to church and smoke pot, and people aren't like, oh, OMG, like it's not a shocker anymore. Mm-hmm. So. If you were the type of parent 30 years ago where your kid came home and smoked pot, you have two choices. One is to fortify your castle and say, get that out of my house. The second is to say, "How is there anything we can learn here as parents to include you and in this belief? Not that the parents need to start smoking pot, but that they can actually have a house and a belief system that's big enough that it's not threatened by or that it can include these other practices or belief systems Mm -hmm. now if 30 years ago parents did that and saw it as a learning opportunity they're like my kid's smoking pot what are we going to do about it well we could ignore it we could kick it out or we could say oh tell me about like why do you find that interesting like what are the pros and cons like have you thought about the legality of it um what do you feel when you do it why do you like it you know, let me hear this. Let me, like, let's just talk about it mm-hmm. and not stigmatize it. I think that could have been an incredible opportunity for parents to rethink what the purpose of morality is. And by the way, I mean, we started off talking about Jesus. I think Jesus did this kind of stuff all the time where he where he turned morality on its head and said that ultimately loving God and loving people is the only real morality that exists. And he pissed everyone off because he was constantly challenging the laws, the religious laws of the day.
1: So what do you think that is for... So Pot was 30 years ago. What is it for today? What's a good example?
0: Fuck, I do not know, and I'm kind of worried about it. Whatever it is, it's going to... this is what I know. Whatever it is, it's going to stretch us. It's going to be something that you and I
1: So, I th- I feel like cuz I'm trying to put myself in 30 years ago in those, that position. When you when things aren't accepted culturally, there's actually I think a big reason why people can't like the parents in this case can't handle their kids doing it is because they're afraid of what other people will think, because it's such a.
0: I think that's I think that's I, one reason. That's
1: one reason, and the real well, and then there's like fear of what the thing will do to their kids, like make them whatever. If it's a religious thing, it's like oh they're gonna go to hell now. If it's uh, not a religious thing, maybe it's just more like oh now they're gonna be a deadbeat now. Or get hurt.
0: Well, we've talked about this a lot over the years. And I don't think we've spent a lot of time on the podcast about it. <clears throat> but this really comes down to what your viewpoint of parenting is. Now, yeah. a lot of people, their belief of parenting is that their job is to form their child into something that is successful both like academically, financially, and morally. And there's a lot of different terms people use for that. In the biblical communities, it was called like, you know, shaping a child or training. Training, yeah. Um, but I don't think it's a spiritual belief or a religious belief. I think most people view that as their job as a parent is to primarily they view it as their role is to shape and form a child. Mm-hmm. Which is... That's been the biggest shift that we have in parenting. I do not believe that is our primary role as a parent is to shape a child. I believe our primary role as a parent is actually to listen and to provide an environment where a child can thrive, but to be humble enough to be able to have ourselves be shaped.
1: And to be able to accept whatever may come in your relationship with your child
0: i think that's a bonus sure yeah but using biblical language because we were steeped in this for a long time the language i used to use back then was people primarily view their role as if they are a blessing to their children they need to give and pour and shape and change and mold and all these like kind of verbs that they do towards their children that are the beneficiaries the bible is really fascinating because for how important parenting is, it says very little prescriptively in the entire damn book. And mostly what it says is that children are the blessing from God, which implies that as a parent, your primary role with your child is actually as a beneficiary. It's actually as a receiver, not a giver. And I don't know any Christians that actually believe that, by the way, but that's that's my understanding of what the Bible the emphasis of the Bible's perspective on children is.
1: Most people take it, most religious people take it, okay, children are a blessing to me so that I can now shape them. That's they're, my blessing. They're basically
0: like a project.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, so the next point I have written here is instead of seeing parenting as the challenge of preparing our kids to withstand the outside world, what if our job is to prepare our hearts and our homes to bring the parts of the outside world that our kids absorb, and evolve into be a to being big enough to accept those things and to accept them. Um, now, this is really different, by the way, than endorsing. I mean, your kids can smoke pot or listen to rap music, and that doesn't mean they need to come home and you'd be like, "Damn, that music's lit." <laughs> <laughs> you don't need to like it, but but we need to be big enough. Our If our belief system is really robust enough and we have enough love to be able to include that and, to, and not feel insecure or threatened because they like it and to be able to yeah. say, you know, my belief system or my faith or my love is big enough to include you and your freaking hobbies. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't have to stop listening to rap music when you're around me. Like, and I don't need to like rap music. Yeah. But I think our kids know like, what things we approve of or disapprove of,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and they'll hide the things that we disapprove of, because they want us to approve of them. Yeah. So one the final example I'm gonna give is that in our house growing up, like we had to use manners. Like we had to say please and thank you and I think the older we get there's two types of, of grandparents I see. Those that like double down on manners and they're like curmudgeonly old and they're like please and thank you like say please and thank you spoiled brat kid you know they, and that's like they just repeat that again and again and you're like oh you're a grand, grand, grandpa like say please or thank you or practice the manners or don't say this word or that word or whatever mm-hmm. but the other option is that as grandparents or as parents, as we evolve, we learn that please and thank you is nice. You know, great. If you want to teach it, teach it, whatever. But if our kids come back and they start to develop language that we don't feel like is super respectful, instead of getting hung up on the words ourselves, we're constantly maturing and using with our desire to include them and who they are in their beliefs. We're not going to get hung up on the things that used to tweak us 20 years ago. You know, I'm like, you know what? You can use please or thank you, but really, I'm concerned about your heart. And even if you're kind of a spoiled brat, like, I'm not going to let it tee me off.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So in that way, our kids going outside of our gate, so to speak, or our home or the walls... And getting exposed to the world doesn't need to be a danger or a threat or this big scary thing. I think we can actually embrace it and be like, man, what are they going to bring back? And, you know, (laughs) holy crap, am I going to be able to handle it? But at least understand that maybe that's the challenge instead of being like, oh, crap, how do I protect my kids from the outside world?
1: Yeah, it's instead, how do I enlarge as a person to be able to include things that I'm not very comfortable with or i don't know much about or i have these assumptions but that's all they are are assumptions
0: the final caveat i want to add i think there's going with this the original interpretation that i've heard of the prodigal son was that the father was doing a great job because he invited the son back in And as the story goes, he even like ran out to meet him. What I like about this thought experiment of this kind of like newer way is it's saying that maybe we can do one better than that, you know, because there's this kind of methodology of parenting that goes, I'm a good dad. If, okay, you go experiment and pull your crazy stunts, but you're always welcome back here, but here's never going to change. Here is this static place where if you're going to live under my roof, you follow my rules. If you're going to smoke pot or have sex, go do that. Go do it out there. And when you come back here, I'll always be here for you. But you're going to have to like play by the rules if you're going to be here. And so in a way it comes across as being a hero because it's like, oh, like my doors are open. Like you can come back into my space. But it also presents this kind of like weak perspective of space, which is like, it's very static and it's like, it's not very it's still robust.
1: exclusive because you have conditions on your kids that they have to be a certain way.
0: To be accepted in your space. Yeah. So that's not what I'm saying here. I'm not saying, I mean, I think that's a step in the right direction is like, yeah, your kid, we have an open door policy and our kids are always welcome back. But it's not just saying they're always welcome back to play by our rules. It's saying you bring who you really are to our space. And I want you to be as close as you can that I can bear, (laughs) you know, and maybe we should be honest about the language instead of saying making it spiritualizing it. Yeah,
1: because I mean, it, it, it may happen that you can't handle your kid or we won't be able to handle our kid. And if that's the case, I think that's okay. Um, but to be honest and to say, I can't handle you or your actions, but that doesn't – I don't need to judge them. I just can't handle them.
0: <laughs> yeah, we, cre- um, we create boundaries all the time for all sorts of reasons.
1: And And I would hope the goal for myself, if that – when that happens, I – the goal would be to be able to handle it at one point so because I can't ex- expect them to change for me.
0: At least deeply. Yeah. In a way, they change right on the outside. Like they act. Yeah. They play a part. Right. Because kids are fucking wizards. And all humans are actually. Uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. We it's all have kids. intuition. I'm not even saying it's a bad thing. Yeah. That we're can feel.
0: I mean, that's how I was at family reunions for a long time, you know, for the first 15 years of our marriage, I go to your parents' house for Christmas and it's like I play a part and it's like right. I smile, I try and ask a few questions. Of course it wears me out and I go home and I want to beat my head on a wall.
1: You basically have to check a part of your brain at the door because it's not welcome there.
0: Yeah, and I just have to remember, <laughs> okay, I'm not going to talk about these things, but I'll try and yeah, keep it cordial and talk about these things and and, you know, that that works. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. I just want to challenge. I just want to share how I'm being challenged to try and go for something deeper and better. And I think there's people out there that would probably accept that challenge mm-hmm. that are our listeners. Yeah. yeah. So very simply, once again, I'm going to read the first sentence create a world at home that is big enough for our kids to bring back the lessons they learn in the outside world so whatever they learn out there which becomes a part of who they are
1: Mm -hmm.
0: is welcome at our home Mm -hmm. and embraced and even sought after yeah um Hmm. you know i mean this is okay final tangent but (laughs) i just geek out on storytelling and You know how he said, like, it's a tragedy in a story. Like, when you study story composition, you learn that a story is all about change. It's all about a character changing. They face situations and scenarios that force them to change. And usually the climax is the end when the character, it can go one of two ways. Either the character can stand up and be brave and do the right thing and go down this change that's basically going to change them forever, or they can puss out and take the easy way out and... Not change you know go back to where they were and you always want the character to to make the harder decision but that changes them forever and in joseph campbell's hero's journey the hero leaves home you know this is like star wars right he leaves home luke skywalker in the first episode but he comes back to home at the end he meets his dad at the end but he's a different person at that point that's the ultimate story um in a way, I've realized, you know, our kids are quite literally our DNA. You know, they're, they are, they're the same us in a way. Mm-hmm. And the best story is almost like, what can they do with the same DNA that's different or better? How can they evolve? Mm-hmm. But as a parent, sometimes I don't want to see it. It's, it's actually like threatening to watch them go beyond where I was comfortable with. Mm-hmm. And I want to hold them back or ignore these certain parts. But the better story is if they take the same stuff that I'm made out of mm-hmm. and they actually expand and do it a little differently and do it, I don't want to say better, but they go a little further mm-hmm. um, and they can withstand a little bit more. Mm-hmm. You know, they're going to be smoking pot, this next generation is. Yeah. And right. it's it's hard to see because I'm like, well, we didn't smoke pot. And it's so easy to get attached to this Until code. Until we
1: were... 38
0: (laughs) and to see success as fortifying the building and not letting our kids really, Mm -hmm. you know, we almost want them to repeat us.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think it can hurt your ego. Sometimes if you see your kids doing things that, yeah, I don't know that are different or.
0: Okay. I'm over it. How about you? (laughs) <laughs> it is. What just happened? Where'd my.
1: You gotta put it back. Yep. Yeah.
0: Okay, we're back. It is time for the news. Okay, on topic. I did not even plan it this way with my little example. First article, and this is gonna be a little quicker format. We're not spending a lot of time on the news today, but Cincinnati City Council passes marijuana ordinance.
1: Oh, wow. Does that mean Ohio or Cincinnati? It's actually just Cincinnati.
0: Cincinnati police will no longer be citing people for having or using what some consider small amounts of pot. So on Wednesday, which actually it's a couple weeks ago now, uh, the city council voted to decriminalize possessing 100 grams or less as long as you aren't using it in public.
1: And you can't. Are you still supposed to not sell it? Is that Right.
0: I think it's still illegal to sell.
1: Which is funny because like, where are all these people getting it?
0: <laughs> and it's so weird to me that it can't be done in public. If you can smoke it in private, why not be able to light a fucking joint at the park? Or walking down the street like a free human being. Yeah. It's well, like
1: I feel like it's sort of like alcohol. Like, in our culture, even though alcohol is obviously legalized, it's very, I don't know, it's considered taboo or like, To to carry like a beer with you through the park where where there's kids around, which is really funny to me. But get it, uh, yeah. I think it's just our cultures. So Cincinnati took away there was
0: a hundred and fifty dollar fine. So this is a fascinating way of phrasing. Cincinnati took away the hundred and fifty dollar fine and the stigma that came along with using marijuana. I don't hmm. know if it works that way, if you can just remove the stigma I know. overnight at least. I think
1: that takes a little while.
0: But I think it is a step in the right direction Yeah. in terms of removing the stigma. Right. So this says it's okay if you're 12 years old. So this is the person that opposed it. Council member David Mann said, This says it's okay if you're 12 years old in Cincinnati to possess 100 grams of marijuana. Why on earth are we doing it? That doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> That's deep. <laughs> maybe maybe this article is like biased i'm hoping he said something a little bit deeper I know. than that.
1: like why it's like, this doesn't, doesn't make, make any sense, sense to
0: me it's like okay oh, okay that's obvious yeah. um currently 33 states allow medical marijuana 11 states and washington dc allow recreational use and an initiative is on the precipice of making it on ohio's ballot in november that would legalize the use possession and sale of marijuana for persons ages 21 or older in ohio
1: Hmm.
0: okay you want to hear the kicker Mm
1: -hmm.
0: so again if you're going to use pot in cincinnati has to be behind closed doors remember that which is a pain for us because we leave our doors open so we have to close them i guess (laughs) this ordinance stipulates no public consumption and it doesn't go until 30 days which do you know when that 30 days is uh no i think it's july 11th oh which is my birthday
1: happy birthday Ben! (laughs)
0: except for i don't live in ohio i live in kentucky one mile away from ohio (laughs) cincinnati
1: we'll make a little trip across the river
0: i'm happy about this yeah i i just think the rule is dumb and i don't like really care i don't spend a lot i'm not like super happy i'm not overjoyed um legality was keeping me from smoking most of the time. I don't know why, because I don't mind breaking the speed limit, but for some reason, I think the legality was pounded into my head as a kid. And the, I've smoked pot, what, five times. I've never been able to get high. I, it's kind of on my bucket list, something I'd like to do in this life. Um, but it's just, it does seem like kind of a dumb rule to me. So I'm happy for people that, I don't think it's going to affect me a whole lot. Although, heck, I'm going to – I'll take advantage of it.
1: So do people – are people, like, serving jail time for marijuana usage? And if so, like, do they get released?
0: No. <laughs> n- yes and no. They they are. And that's why one of the people actually voted against it was because it wasn't enough for them. They wanted it to be legalized, and they wanted everyone that's been imprisoned – Yeah.
1: Because because that's where i'm just like uh, that just how i mean it'd be sucky to be in prison no matter what but how sucky would it be to be in prison for that and it gets like and you're just like damn it i was born in the wrong era <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh,
0: okay sad news um mount washington hiker died from hypothermia on the app well not oh, on the wow. Appalachian Trail, but on Mount Washington, which the Appalachian Trail goes over Mount Washington. Sheesh. But they were hiking up to Mount Washington, which is the um, windiest recorded place, I believe, on the planet. Which is really weird to me because I feel like Everest to be windier than that. But
1: maybe it's kind maybe of I'm getting my facts an wrong. An anomaly. Uh, yeah, I don't. know. So
0: Mount Washington, which is the second Windy. highest point on the Appalachian Trail that we walked on, a woman died. Uh, she was a hiker from new jersey um and she was 63 and she was just hiking from the base of the mountain to the top um but the conditions were freezing with a wind chill of 12 degrees and 60 mile per hour winds and rain and ice Uh, and they rescued her they hiked her the last 0.2 miles which isn't very far so it wasn't an incredible rescue but they took her to the hospital and she died at the hospital
1: jeez so she, like, almost made it down? or she was almost. No, she was up. going up. She was almost at the top as well, yeah. and then they rescued. I just
0: don't know how this happens.
1: I guess your body just... It's too much, right? Like, it starts shutting down. Hypothermia is, like... What, things start shutting down yes it just seems
0: like there should be a lot of signs and things you can do and mount washington is a crowded area
1: but what if she was alone
0: no she wasn't she was with the family
1: okay yeah that's kind of interesting
0: so and we hiked um up mount washington into Mm -hmm. predicted storms the weather was getting really bad and it wasn't
1: but it it was actually sunny which there's only like a a handful of times it's actually sunny up at that mountain i think but
0: Okay, final news article. Crap, I got cut off. 10-year-old girl becomes youngest person ever to climb Yosemite's El Capitan. This is from I can't find my when I print these articles off it doesn't. Oh, some website called Maker. Oh, Makers, yeah. Okay. So in the last 5 days, Sarah Sela Schneider scaled 3,000 feet of steep rock formations to reach the top of Yosemite's El Cap, and she's only 10 years old. She climbed 31 pitches on rock climbing sections with the help of her dad and a close family friend.
1: Hmm. That's So cool. she's the
0: youngest person at 10. Wow. Um, and this part is kind of cool to me. So, okay, if you guys aren't familiar, this is like, is it, I think El Cap is like the tallest granite face or rock face in the world like sheer rock face hmm. so 31 pitches which means 31 length of rope which wow. means that you have to you know when we were climbing I did a few multi-pitch routes but really one pitch is a chore I mean you're talking like 150 feet I think give or take it was all meters so I forget what it was but you know so, so you're doing 31 full climbs with, I mean you can rest but hmm. yeah. wow! so they did it over five days which isn't breaking any speed records but this is the part that got to me after the record breaking five day climb, the three camped out at the top of the slab, while Michael and his friend were exhausted, Sela was like oh no that's not it oh, here it is, sorry <laughs> once she topped out, which means she made it to the top She was the first one to go to this tree that is a symbolic thing for climbers, and she just broke down in tears, Michael recalled as Mm. the dad. She said it was her first happy tears she's ever had. Mm. So what I like about that is I don't think most people think kids are capable of wrapping their mind around that type of victory.
1: Mm. I think
0: we treat 10-year-olds like they're little annoying brats and like they're not capable of that type of emotion or grasping doing
1: something like incredibly hard and then being so happy you accomplished and
0: finding value in it and finding yeah yeah.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. and i've seen this with our kids Mm -hmm. um of various ages where you know we finish a marathon well even i mean I don't know. I, I just, I remember, I have this other story where we had just got back from the Bahamas, like, staying at the Atlantis, mm-hmm. and it was, like, you know, that's, like, the nicest resort in the world, if Travel Channel has anything to say about it, because they're always running things on Atlantis, and, and we had just hiked the Wonderland Trail, which is this 95-mile loop around Mount Rainier, and then we go to Atlantis... And I asked the kids, because we were going to go speak at REI, so kind of as a joke. I said, hey, which which did you like better, Atlantis or the Wonderland Trail? (laughs) Thinking that they were all going to say Atlantis. Like, no, duh. It was like a tropical resort with, like, you know, it's basically like tropical Disneyland, like Mm -hmm. water slides and just entertainment junk. And every single one of them, including our, what, five-year-old or something? At the time? Memory? Said that they preferred the Wonderland yeah and that's when i that's when I realized, oh, kids are smart and they want more than we are giving them, and they can actually process long-term gratification and the benefits of <clears throat> complex and difficult activities way more than I thought. Mm-hmm. So to hear that this girl gets to the top, she's ten mm-hmm. you know, and then she cries because she's so happy. yeah, I'm like, that's cool it is um it, I, it's a shame if kids I, don't have these types of opportunities
1: i think it's really cool that the dad and the mom presumably that they let her do that you know, so many parents would be like like they couldn't handle the what ifs
0: well yeah the pressure of If something went wrong, you can imagine oh, they, they would, would be, be getting crucified right now. Oh, absolutely. I'm surprised it didn't say more about that. But basically, the dude is some, like, he's an Ameri- American Mountain Guides Association certified rock guide and instructor. So he, like, knows his stuff and is, like, equipped not only... Because a lot of people climb, they're not certified anything.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: he's he looks good to the public also. Yeah. And then it says this, after the record-breaking five-day climb, the three camped out on top of the slab. While Michael and his friend were exhausted, Sila was like a little kid again, and wanted to check everything out, exploring almost like it was nothing. (laughs) And that reminds me of, like, you know, we run a marathon, Then Flea comes home, and she, like, riding around on her bike. Like, they go, like, they're in business mode. They know how to, like... You know, when you're climbing multi-pitch stuff, like, literally... Other people's lives are in your hand. Well, Mm. not literally. They're not in your hand, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Um and then you go back to being a kid again. Like just like that.
1: (laughs) That's yeah, that's cool though. Man.
0: Okay. Um
1: Are you ready for some You got a phone call? We do. Cool.
0: It is time for the phone calls and you can be the official phone call button Mm -hmm. pusher.
2: Hi, Ben and Cami, My name is Christine, and I'm from New York. Um, I haven't listened to a ton of podcasts, but I have watched your YouTube videos for a couple months. Um, This is kind of repetitive. I know you've already made a video about vaccines and stuff, but coming from New York, um, just in the last week or so, there's been a new bill eliminating religious exemptions uh, so like over 20,000 people are affected by this um, you know new bill because kids have to be vaccinated by this friday if they want to keep attending school camp or daycare public or private so I guess my question is what would you do uh, I know you choose to homeschool but I'm just wondering like say one of your kids wanted to go to college and and they had to be Vaccinated, or I don't know if if you have any advice or insight into uh, into this. I know a few other states have um, this same rule, and it's really hard um, to go th- to school without vaccines. Like I said, public, private, or even you know, daycare, camp, whatever. So. Um, yeah, I guess I'm not asking you to incriminate yourself or anything, but I'm just curious, how how might you go around this? <laughs> this is a crazy question. I'm also a registered nurse licensed in New York, um, but I haven't worked as a nurse for a couple years um, since I had my daughter. I have almost three-year-old. I'm a single parent. I'm a caregiver uh, for my brother who has Down syndrome. I caught your um, documentary and... Just a couple months ago, I watched it with my daughter. We love you guys. I'm fascinated by your family. I think you guys are amazing, and I feel like I'm learning so much from you. And I'm totally overweight and out of shape, and I don't run. But I just would like to see myself doing some of what you're doing. And I'm inspired by homeschooling and, and everything, and just finding it like so challenging to imagine doing that and feeling like I don't have a choice. Um, you know so right now my daughter goes to Montessori so anyway yeah feeling like I don't have a choice is really weird feeling like the government's telling um, us what to do with our kids is just tough Um, but thank you for making your videos and podcasts and I just love you guys and I think you're amazing and hope you get some more comfortable chairs
1: (laughs) I just it's I, I was inspired just hearing her story, that <laughs> she's a single parent, she's got a couple kids, she's a caretaker for her Down syndrome nephew. What was her nephew.
2: I, I didn't I mean, catch it. Yeah. Let's catch it. Hi, Ben and Kim. My name is Christine. Christine.
0: Christine. Man. Thanks, Christine.
1: Yeah, that's – um, it's interesting. Our 16-year-old is actually thinking about going to high school, and I just had this conversation with her about the immunizations, and I, I kind of took it for granted thinking that they would just let us sign a waiver that says, like, if there's an outbreak, they have to leave the kids that are immunized, which is what we did in Washington years ago when Dub was in kindergarten. Um. Yeah, like, what, I mean, that's a really hard thing to just, I didn't know that about New York. Did you? Well,
0: it just happened. Okay, yeah. But, like, I'm not surprised at it, all.
1: No, I mean, I just think our government there's tides right and there's they people pick are and pissed choose. it's like people
0: are voting like they want it to be a thing there's
1: t- yeah there's 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 in each decade era whatever you want to call it there's things that are chosen that are made law
0: to me it to me this is like pretty simple but I think there's a deep issue here um, you know I'm not against immunizations like we're You know, we've had to clarify numerous times. We're not anti-vax. Most of our kids have not been vaccinated. Because at the time, we evaluated the pros and cons. And for us, at that time, the cons outweighed the pros. Mm -hmm. But the important thing to me is that we're not talking... Nothing's black or white. Um, And the pros and cons discussion is a constantly evolving discussion yeah that each parent needs to take into account what the pros and cons are for them and their situation and their children and do the best with what they got to you know for whatever's worth it to them for what their values are yeah so you know i i could just see it going so many ways for so many different people where now it's worth it for them to do it great do it and yeah there's some there's going to be some cons you know But now there's new cons for not doing it that you have to take into account. And we could focus all day on how much that sucks or whatever, but I don't think that's going to change the fact of the matter. The thing that she said that stood out to me the most was she said this line, um, it sucks as a parent not feeling like I have a choice anymore. And what I would say is, I mean, this is the belief that's I think helped us get to where we've got you always have a choice always now that could mean that you go to jail that's that would be a con
1: or you have to move out of the united states or out of that state or or, you have
0: to homeschool or this or that um but it's still a choice Mm -hmm. i think
1: maybe there's maybe another way of maybe what she's feeling is now there's new consequences for a certain choice yeah. That and, weren't there before.
0: And this is where, and I, I don't want to talk down to this, Christine, because I do not know her situation. But just in general, I don't feel entitled to anything. I And th- I think this is one of the things that separates us with what I hear, why people care about politics so much. Like, I think freedom is great. I don't feel entitled to it. I think public schools, it's nice that they're there. I don't feel like we deserve them or are entitled to them. Even healthcare, care, the biggest thing, people, everyone's saying, like, We need to we need to have healthcare. Like, I don't know who these people are that are saying we need this like new thing that no one has had access to globally or historically outside of the last 30 years. It hasn't like existed the way it exists. I think
1: it's hard not to feel entitled if you've already been given it.
0: Yes, it is. Mm -hmm. But that entitlement is actually a form of slavery because then it becomes leverage to be used against you. And you feel like you need it.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: You know, to be either a good parent or a good person or Mm -hmm. just because you feel like you're going to feel shitty if you don't have it or feel unsafe. Mm -hmm. So it's always a choice, though. You know, so if if you do vaccinate your kids, I hope you do it because you're saying the pros outweigh the cons and you're making a choice. And the choice is to do something that will allow your kids to stay in school or whatever. Mm -hmm. And if you don't do it, you know, we have to accept the consequences that come with that. There's always consequences. Maybe we'll get kicked out of school or the state or whatever. So, you know, if that's scary to you, if you don't like that, if that um, outweighs the pros, then I would say, you know, you're going to have to make your decision Mm -hmm. based upon that. Um, But I, I, I think the scariest thing is when these things are pitched, whether it's science I mean, this has scientific backing, but I believe people are actually turning it into a black and white moral issue. Mm-hmm. And they're pitching it as if you don't have a choice. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes, you know, that has never, I've never seen that work out. Um, well, it does in a way, but it it's really hard to grow as a parent and as individuals when you feel like you don't have a choice. Yeah. Thanks for that question. Yeah. Um, hmm. Yeah.
1: All right.
0: That's
1: it. That's it. That's it. Yeah, those are, those are
0: previous calls. <laughs> um, we have one phone call on ice that I'm going to save for next time because there are no backup ones. Yeah. All right. But um, I wanted to thank you guys for the chair fund. If you wanted to support this podcast, we are sitting on some flat, lame-ass stools right now and we started a chair fund that derek donated twenty dollars to and you can join derek in donating money if you would like um via paypal or venmo and those links are in the show notes as long as as well as the links to the book we mentioned and the links to these articles if you want to read more about that kind of stuff um And this podcast is available on Spotify and YouTube if you want to watch the video and iTunes and pretty much anywhere you can find podcasts. You should be able to find it. And if you want to leave a message, we would really appreciate that. Um, I know it's weird. I know it's hard. I know you're putting yourself out there. But listen, if anyone understands, it's us. (laughs) The phone number is 206-651-5744. And... That's all I got for you guys.
1: Yep. Peace. Peace out.
0: Thank you for listening to Fight for Together. We'll see you next time.